This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church, and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Tim, Israel, Emerson, Josiah, and Evelyn. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Tim, who asks, Why does Jesus talk in parables a lot? Tim, in our study of Matthew 13, we've seen two main reasons that Jesus teaches in parables, to hide things and to reveal things. First, Jesus tells the disciples that the reason he starts teaching in parables so often is that the people aren't listening. That sounds strange to us because we'd expect, if the people don't understand, that Jesus would teach more clearly, not less clearly. But the idea is this. If you reject the truth that you have, then you get less truth, and even what you have can be taken away. In other words, this hiding is a punishment for not listening to what Jesus teaches. There's a second reason, though, and that's to reveal things. The parables fulfill the Old Testament prophecy that says things will be revealed which have been hidden from the foundation of the world. There are some truths about the kingdom, spiritual things, that can only be appreciated through parables. When we reflect on the parables, we understand things better, even if we can't put that understanding into words. So it seems that the parables are mysterious, but they also solve mysteries too. And now Israel asks, Why did Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit when they knew they couldn't eat the fruit? Well, Israel, the nature of sin is exactly that. Knowing what you should do, but not doing it. Or knowing what you should not do, but doing it anyway. In other words, disobedience. If Adam and Eve had simply listened to God, they would never have disobeyed. But they listened to the serpent, and what he promised them, even though it was a lie, seemed better than what God had said, and so they ate. It works the same way for us. We know what God has said, but the world lies to us and promises us all sorts of things that sound good. So we disobey and suffer the consequences. The irony is, the world doesn't keep its promises any more than the serpent did. A sin doesn't make sense. But sin has a powerful grip on our will and our desire. As a result, as Paul says in Romans 7, we do what we hate. The good news is that the Holy Spirit gives us power to resist temptation. If we trust in Christ, then we are able not to sin. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Emerson. Let's give Emerson a round of applause. Here's Emerson's question. Why do we make nativity scenes and statues of Jesus on Christmas when the second commandment tells us not to? This is a great question, Emerson. First, let's take a look at what the second commandment says. You'll find the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. 
The second commandment is in Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5. So let's take a look at some of that. It says this, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, there are also some related scriptures that we ought to hear, too, at the same time. Leviticus 26, verse 1, for example, says, You shall not make idols for yourselves, or erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. In Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 15, we read, Cursed is the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. Then in Psalm 97, verse 7, we read, All worshippers of images are put to shame who make their boast in worthless idols. In the New Testament, Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verse 29, Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Okay, so that's a lot of verses, but hopefully you can hear how they all connect together and how they all relate to the second commandment. They forbid us from making idols and worshiping them. Now, throughout the ancient world, people worshiped false gods by bowing down to statues, idols, made with human hands. They didn't think the statues were gods, but they thought they could worship the gods through the statues. God forbids his people to do this, and that makes sense. An idol is a god made with human hands, but in reality, human beings were made by the hand of God. We were made in God's image, too. We can't make an image of God. Only God can do that, and we are the image that he makes of himself. Now, a couple of points to think about here. First, the second commandment doesn't forbid all representational art. In other words, art that looks like something in the world, a statue that represents a bird or a fish or a person, for example. Sometimes people read the first part of the second commandment, you shall not make a carved image, and they stop there, leaving off, you shall not bow down to them and serve them. But those things go together. The commandment is forbidding idolatry, not art. We know this because in ancient Israel, there was representational art. Even in the tabernacle and temple, God commands artists to make art that resembles trees, for example, which is something on the earth, and angels on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, which is something from heaven. If God commanded these things to be made, then they can't be a violation of the second commandment. Second, it's not just wrong to make an idol of a false god, but okay to make an idol of the true god. And we know this because of the incident of the golden calf. When the Israelites made that idol, it wasn't meant to represent a false god. It was meant to represent the true god who had delivered them from Egypt. You might object, but God doesn't look like a calf. True, but God doesn't look like any of our pictures of him. So, you can't worship an idol of a false god, and you can't worship the true god using an idol either. The question is, can you make a statue or a picture of God so long as you don't worship it? 
Now, this is where you'll find a lot of disagreement throughout the history of the church. Some churches say it's fine to make statues or pictures of gods so long as you don't worship them. Now, these churches tend to fall into two different camps, broadly speaking. In some, you'll find pictures of Jesus in a storybook or a Sunday school class, but not in the sanctuary where worship happens. The pictures are used for teaching, but no one prays to them. In other churches, though, there are statues or pictures in the sanctuary, and people do pray to them, but they don't consider that to be worship, only devotion. Now, that's a pretty fine distinction, though, and, and from the outside looking in, there doesn't seem to be that much of a difference. So, I think it's easy to conclude that given the second commandment, we shouldn't pray to statues or pictures of God or use them in worship. The question is that first camp, whether it's okay to make those things so long as we don't use them in worship. Now, your example of a nativity scene is great. A nativity scene has a baby Jesus in the manger. Jesus was fully God, so that is definitely an image representing God. But no one is going to bow down to the baby Jesus in the nativity scene and worship it. And the same thing is true for pictures of Jesus in a storybook, for example. Now, in fairness, I think this is a more complicated question. People who think that this is not a violation of the second commandment would point out that Jesus came in the flesh. People could see Jesus, and those who saw him could remember what he looked like. Imagine there was a kid sitting at the Sermon on the Mount, and he started drawing a picture of Jesus in the dirt. Would that be wrong to draw the person that he saw? Only if he started worshiping it, at least according to these people. Now, some would go even farther than this, though, and say that to forbid an image of Jesus in the flesh, uh, in his human body, would amount to denying his humanity, so that if we believe that Jesus was fully human, then we should encourage making pictures of Jesus. Look, I acknowledge there are arguments on all sides, and I don't want to dismiss them out of hand. But let me tell you how I've come to look at this. There's something beautiful about God making human beings in his image, and I think it's directly related to his forbidding us to make images of him to worship. Idolatry by its very nature demeans human beings, because every idol, no matter who it's meant to represent, is made by human hands. It's made according to our idea of God. No matter how good our intentions, that image is going to fall short. We know for sure that we shouldn't worship idols, and that we shouldn't worship God through idols. We also know that human beings are prone to idolatry, that we turn anything into an idol when we get a chance. The perfect example of this is the bronze serpent that God commanded Moses to make to heal the people in the wilderness. That's the very serpent that Jesus compares himself to in John chapter 3. Do you know what happened to that bronze serpent? Eventually, it had to be destroyed. Why? Because people started worshiping it. Think about that. Even something good, something commanded by God, made according to his instructions, could be twisted like this into an idol. 
And we shouldn't congratulate ourselves on being better or stronger than the people of ancient Israel were. Their weakness is our weakness. We're prone to exactly the same things that they were. Now, I'm not saying that you should destroy all the nativity scenes or rip apart all the storybooks. But I am saying it's better to avoid these things than to indulge in them. And that the more I reflect on the connection between the second commandment and God making man in his image, the more careful I want to be about these things. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. First, Josiah asks, what is leaven? Josiah, leaven is the stuff that makes bread rise, typically yeast. That's why leavened bread is puffy and soft, but unleavened bread is thin and hard. Leaven is often used in the Bible as a symbol of sin, because just a little bit of leaven, like a little bit of sin, is enough to permeate everything. But sometimes leaven is used as a positive symbol, as in Matthew 13, where the gospel of the kingdom is like leaven being worked into the dough. From a small beginning, the gospel will come to fill the world. And finally, Evelyn asks, how do you know all this? It's not easy, Evelyn. It is not easy. I spent a lot of time in school learning things, and I've taught myself a lot through reading, too. But to be honest, there's a whole lot that I don't know, which is why I keep learning. And the great questions young disciples at Grace ask me are one of the things that pushes me to pursue more knowledge. And I should probably admit this too, I don't know as much as I seem to know. The last thing I'd want any of you to do is to put your confidence in my knowledge. Instead, let's all remember that our confidence is in God who knows all things. Compared to him, none of us has anything to boast about. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. Never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking The Big Questions.